How many of you, uh, I know you've missed my strange preaching methods, but you're going to get a huge dose today. <laughs> uh, how many have heard of WWF? WWF. That's not what would Jesus do. What does anybody know what that? I mean, can somebody say what that is? World Wrestling Federation. World Wrestling. Your grandmother, right, Phil? Do I remember? Yeah, yeah. She was a charter member, Phil's grandmother. I remember Phil mentioning that. And uh, you didn't tell her that that wasn't real, right? Ooh. Mm. And the moon landing. So how many people actually watch wrestling? Oh, I know nobody would admit it, right? Nobody's going to raise their hands. How many of you have relatives that watch wrestling? Yeah. <laughs> you can do that. You can safely admit that, right? Well, there we have is it real or is it play acting? Real play acting. Real play acting. <laughs> yeah, I think you're right. What are some of uh, the things that wrestlers say about each other? Anybody? No. What? I'm the greatest. Yes. I'm the greatest. Yes. Oh, <laughs> that's good. That's good. That's a good answer. Well, they're usually not very encouraging things. It's usually demeaning things and, uh, you know, with a lot of fervor and, you know, intensity. And uh, I, I, I have seen this. I've not, like, been a personal participant or anything like that. <laughs> but um, it's almost as much acting as a soccer game, almost. Ooh, some of you guys are not going to like that. It's like, like, but anyway, um, I don't know why I said that. Uh, <laughs> who's the biggest, smartest, best looking, toughest, meanest, winningest competitor? <laughs> oh my goodness. Competitor. Competitor. Hmm. Now what we need in the church, not what we need in the church. Is it? We don't need to be acting like that with each other. And honestly, you guys, I don't know why I'm preaching this sermon. I've had it on my heart for probably a month. And I have no, this is not pointed at anyone. It's not because of a situation that I'm dealing with. It's just on my heart from the Lord. And I'm just trusting that it's going to land where it needs to land. All of us have something to learn here or something to be reminded of. So, I'm a little concerned that we have a bit of that competitive attitude. Maybe some strutting, some chest puffing. It has to do with wrestling or wrangling about words, which could be concepts, theology, church practice, doctrine, how we do small group, what color the vinyl is going to be, or what's done with the money. The Apostle Paul, who wrote most of what we usually call the New Testament of the Christian Bible, actually wrote letters to churches and to shepherd leaders of churches. 
Now, I've been reading and listening to two of those letters quite often over the last three months. These are the two letters he wrote to a young pastor named Timothy. One thing that keeps jumping out at me is Paul's, is Paul's mention of wrangling about words, quarreling, bickering, and how often he addresses this issue. He uses the words avoid, avoid, and useless, avoid, useless. And others that serve to warn us of the destructive nature of wrestling and wrangling among ourselves as believers. Co-laborers in God's kingdom. Members of His family. The church. Let's look together at some of these excerpts from First and Second Timothy. And then there are a few others. Some in James, some in Titus, one in Titus. To start an overview or an introduction and this kind of sets the tone. It's in 1 Timothy 1, as he begins the, his first letter, letter to Timothy, <clears throat> verses 3 through 7. This is New American Standard. As I urge you upon my departure from Macedonia, remain on at Ephesus, so that you may instruct certain men not to teach strange doctrines, nor to pay attention to myths and endless genealogies, which give rise to mere speculation rather than furthering the administration of God, which is by faith. There's stark contrast there, isn't there? But the goal of our instruction is love. The goal of our instruction is love from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. This is who we are. This is what God's church is to be about. This is what teachers and leaders are to be motivated by. For some men, straying from these things, have turned aside to fruitless discussion. Oh my goodness. Has anyone ever witnessed fruitless discussion? Perhaps we've participated in some. Wanting to be teachers of the law, even though they do not understand either what they're saying or the matters about which they make confident assertions. That's strong words. Make confident assertions. It just reminds me of the wrestler, you know. (laughs) And you are going to die. And that's not what the church is about. Not at all. But we can easily fall into that. And I don't want us to do that. In 1 Timothy, hey, he does tell Timothy, Paul tells Timothy, he says, um, pay attention to the public reading of Scripture. So you are going to get a lot of Scripture because I'm paying attention to the public reading of that. This morning, first Timothy one, this is verse five out of the passage we just read out of the message paraphrase. The whole point of what we're urging is simply love, love uncontaminated by self-interest. Ooh, 
love uncontaminated by self-interest and counterfeit faith. A life open to God. So with love being our goal, Paul urges Timothy to teach the church about some things to avoid. Lord Jesus, why am I preaching this? 1 Timothy 4, 7 through 11. This is in the message paraphrase. Stay clear of silly stories that get dressed up as religion. I may pause a little just to let some of these things soak. Stay clear of silly stories that get dressed up as religion. Exercise daily in God. No spiritual flabbiness, please. Workouts in the gymnasium are useful, but a disciplined life in God is far more so. Making you fit both today and forever. You can count on this. Take it to heart. This is why we've thrown ourselves into this venture so totally. We're banking on the living God. We're banking on the living God, savor of all men and women, especially believers. Get the word out. Teach all these things. First Timothy 6, 3 through 6 and verse 20 in the New American Standard. So as Paul's encouraging Timothy, be busy about this. And then we're going to look at the avoid this. Are you with me? Be busy about this. Make love your goal. Make the construction of your the love the goal of your instruction. And then avoid these things. If anyone advocates a different doctrine and does not agree with sound words, those of our Lord Jesus Christ, and with the doctrine conforming to godliness, which we just read about, he is conceited. Oh my goodness. And understands nothing. But he has a morbid interest in controversial questions. I want to read that again. But he has a morbid interest in controversial questions. But he has a morbid interest in controversial questions and disputes about words. Wrangling with words. What happens when you do that? Out of which arise envy. Strife, abusive language, evil suspicions, and constant friction, Lord, between men of depraved mind and deprived of the truth, who suppose that godliness is a means of gain. But godliness actually is a means of great gain when accompanied by contentment. So what might appear to be godliness, but is really just a show and is really motivated by a sick desire within an individual to somehow rise in importance, in recognition. Is morbid interest. Is constant friction. Is depraved. Mind, deprived of the truth. Verse 20, O Timothy, guard what has been entrusted to you, avoiding worldly and empty chatter and the opposing arguments of what is falsely 
called knowledge. Why do we even know the things we know? What's the purpose of expressing the knowledge that we have? What's the motivation for each one of us as individuals and even for us as a fellowship of believers within this community? 2 Timothy 2, 14 through 26. A lot of reading. New American Standard. Remind them of these things. Paul's telling Timothy, remind them of these things and solemnly charge them in the presence of God not to wrangle about words. And so this morning, I am doing exactly that. Which is useless. What? It's useless and leads to the ruin of the hearers. Instead, be diligent to present yourself approved to God. And, and notice, we, we take these verses here that I'm fixing to read and we pull them out. But look at the context. Look at the context. It's within a warning. It's within an explanation about arguments and useless <laughs> chatter and all of that. Be diligent to present yourself approved to God as a workman who does not need to be ashamed, accurately handling the word of truth. Accurately handling the word of truth. This truth that we know, this knowledge that we have, how are we handling it? And then he jumps right back in in verse 16 and says, but avoid worldly and empty chatter. For it will lead to further ungodliness. Man, he just keeps hitting this. And their talk will spread like gangrene among them. And he names some names here. Among them are Hymenaeus and Philetus, men who have gone astray from the truth, saying that the resurrection has already taken place, and they upset the faith of some. Nevertheless, the firm foundation of God stands. Having this seal, the Lord knows those who are his. And everyone who names the name of the Lord is to abstain from wickedness. And then it talks about, uh, I don't know whether to read. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go ahead and read that. Remember when I preached on uh, what's in your pot? Yeah. Well, this, this is the context of that scripture. And so he goes on and he says, Now in a large house there are not only gold and silver vessels, but also vessels of wood and of earthenware, and some to honor and some to dishonor. And he didn't, he didn't say that it was bad to be wood or silver or gold, but he said, what, what, what's in there? What's in there? And he's telling us things to avoid, to not put in our vessels. Our vessels. These are our vessels. You know, until eternity is in full, full-blown, you know, no time is gone, you know, right? But these are our vessels, and so you may have a black vessel or a white vessel or a yellow vessel. You may have a large vessel or a small vessel. You may have a lot of hair. You may not have any hair at all. It really is not important, that part. But what is is important, therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from these things, oh, oh, all that empty, empty and worthless chatter and all of the right cleanses himself of these things. So he's very specific. 
He's saying these things are not good. And it's important that each of us cleanses ourselves of these things. Have we been delivered from their bondage? Absolutely. But we have a choice. We have choices often. How is our speech? What are our motivations? Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from these things, he will be a vessel for honor, sanctified, useful to the master, prepared for every good work. Now flee from useful lusts and pursue righteousness, faith, love and peace with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. And then back end of what to what to avoid, but refuse. It's like, man, why does Paul say this so many times in two little letters? And then add Titus and then add Brother James expressing we will do that. But refuse foolish and ignorant speculations. Knowing that they produce quarrels. The Lord's bondservant must not be quarrelsome. Boy, you know, just take that home and, and, and we'll do well. The Lord's bondservant must not be quarrelsome, but be kind to all, able to teach, patient when wrong, with gentleness, correcting those who are in opposition. Why? Perhaps God may grant them repentance, leading to the knowledge of the truth. It has nothing to do with winning an argument. It has to do with winning a person to faith in Jesus Christ. Amen. And they may come to their senses and escape from the snare of the devil, having been held captive by him to do his will. Woo! Mm. Deliver us that we might deliver others. Here's some wranglers we need to avoid. This is 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 5 in the message. Don't be naive. There are difficult times ahead. As the end approaches, people are going to be self-absorbed. Really? Money hungry. Oh, my. Self-promoting. <laughs> Stuck up. Profane. Contemptuous of parents. Crude. Coarse. Dog eat dog. Unbending. Hmm. Slanderers, impulsively wild, savage, cynical. Ooh, see, that one's the one that got me. Bam. Treacherous, ruthless, bloated windbags. Is that not good? That is is great, isn't it? Addicted to lust and allergic to God. They'll make a show of religion, but behind the scenes, they're animals. Stay clear of these people. Here's some avoids. I've started to call it avoid. So I'm going to just highlight a few things. Self-absorbed, self-promoting, stuck up, dog-eat-dog, unbending, cynical, bloated windbags. And they'll make a show of religion, but behind the scenes they're animals. Stay clear of these people. All right, I'm just going to run through a few quickies, okay? Here we go. Titus 3, 9, New American Standard. But avoid foolish controversies and genealogies and strife and disputes about the law, for they are unprofitable and 
worthless. And it's like, John, didn't you read that one already? No, this is out of a totally different book. Totally different letter. It's Titus. It's still the same guy. It's still Paul. But they must have had some issues, right? And the Gnostics were rising and, uh, you know, whatever. But it's serious. It's, it's serious, you know? Titus. <clears throat> Titus 3, uh, jumping on down. Uh, well, 9, 9 and 10. I'm going to add 10. This is in the message. Just a little bit of added... Uh, Mm, clarity. Stay away from mindless, pointless quarreling over genealogies and fine print in the law code that gets you nowhere. Warn a quarrelsome person once or twice, but then be done with him. Ooh. I consider these thoughts from James. <clears throat> it's like, oh, you're going to get in James? Oh, yeah. Yeah. They did leave it in the canon. James 1.26, the message, anyone who sets himself up as religious by talking a good game is self-deceived. This kind of religion is hot air and only hot air. Y'all feeling warned? I'm feeling convicted. <laughs> James 4, 1 through 3, New Living Translation. What is causing the quarrels and fights among you? What's causing the quarrels and fights among you? Isn't it the whole army of evil desires at war within you? You want what you don't have. So you scheme and kill to get it. And that doesn't mean just physical death, right? Life and death in the tongue, you know, all kinds of things like that. The, the caustic things that can be said. The little, little digs, you know, the little digs that are so cute. The little sarcasm thing happening. Ooh. You want what you don't have, so you scheme and kill to get it. You are jealous for what others have, and you can't possess it. Does this ever happen in the church? So you fight and quarrel to take it away from them. And yet the reason you don't have what you want is that you don't ask God for it. And he might say no, but he'll say something that's for your best interest, for your, for your best good, I should say. You know, ultimately, ultimately, and for the good of his kingdom, which is, yeah, central. And even when you do ask, <laughs> there's a little stipulation on that, you don't get it because your whole motive is wrong. You mean motive matters? Yeah, motive matters. Motive matters. It's not about puffed up windbag stuff. Your whole motive is wrong. You want only what will give you pleasure. So here's the solution. Well, part of the solution, I might say. Our action challenge. Our action challenge. Our takeaway. This is our takeaway today. James 3, 13 through 18, in the message. Live well. Live wisely. Do you want to be counted wise to build a reputation for wisdom? Here's what you do. Live well. Live wisely. And I love this one. Live humbly. Live humbly. A stark contrast to the WWF. 
It's the way you live, not the way you talk, that counts. To remind us, moving on to verse 14, mean-spirited and ambition isn't wisdom. Mean-spirited ambition isn't wisdom. Boasting that you are wise isn't wisdom. Twisting the truth to make yourself sound wise isn't wisdom. It's the furthest thing from wisdom. It's animal, cunning, devilish, conniving. Whenever you're trying to look better than others or get the better of others, things fall apart and everyone ends up at the other's throats. <clears throat> That's why there are a lot more churches than there used to be. To say, that's why there's so many denominations. Now, this works. Real wisdom is God's wisdom, it begins with a holy life. It begins with a holy life and is characterized by getting along with others. It is gentle and reasonable, overflowing with mercy and blessings, not hot one day and cold the next, not two-faced. Boy, is this contrasting? Wow. Hugely contrasting. It is gentle and reasonable. Mm. Verse 18, you can develop a healthy, robust community that lives right with God. Y'all, do we want our fellowship of believers, our small group? Well, it's not that small. Our group, just our group. Doesn't have to be small or big. Just needs to be a group. Just needs to be a community. Do we want our community to look like this? Absolutely. You can develop a healthy, robust community that lives right with God and enjoy its results only if you do the hard work of getting along with each other. Man, he could have gone all day without saying that. Treating each other with dignity and honor. If you want, you can develop a healthy, robust community right here. There's some things to avoid. And there's some things to pay close attention to. There's some heart issues. There's some behavioral issues. There's some doctrinal issues. But more than the doctrinal issues, it's the wrangling about the doctrinal issues. That's more the problem than a few different points in theology or points in doctrine. It's the heart and the argumentation and the quarreling and the, and the backbiting and the pride and the so-called wisdom that's not wisdom at all. Uh, somebody, somebody said, we, we're going to have a family meeting too? And I said, yeah, don't worry, I'm preaching, I can keep it short. <laughs> well, Kathy said, maybe, maybe not. 
I think she was right again. You can develop a healthy, robust community that lives right with God and enjoy its results only if you do the hard work of getting along with each other, treating each other with dignity and honor. Finally, hold firmly to the true words that I taught you as an example for you to follow and remain in the faith and love that are ours in union with Christ Jesus. Boy, that is, that is like the secret code right there. Hold firmly to the true words that I taught you as the example for you to follow. And remain in the faith and love that are ours in union with Jesus Christ. Key, 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 key. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, key. Who lives in us, key. Keep the good things that have been entrusted to you. What's the goal of your instruction? When you talk to somebody, what's, what, what's really the goal? When you talk about the Lord, is it to impress to win? Or is it the overflow of the joys of life in Christ Jesus? Is, is our conversation simply an overflow of the joy that is resonant in us? Functioning, working, living, producing fruit and fruit that remains because of our relationship with Christ Jesus, our union with Him. Shared for the purpose of encouragement and building the faith of the person or people you're talking to. I'm talking to. We're talking to. Let's be diligent to keep our fellowship. This fellowship. This little group of people. This community of people we call Franklin Covenant Church. And those that are connected with us. And us with them. Let's be diligent to keep our fellowship a safe Place where Jesus is Lord and God is honored. To wrap up, I repeat 1 Timothy 1 verse 5 in the message paraphrase. The whole point of what we're urging is simply love. Love uncontaminated by self-interest and counterfeit faith. A life open to God. Let's pray together. Father, you have taught us so many things. But the best thing of all is that you you saved us out of bondage and you placed us in the kingdom of your dear son. And we have fellowship. And you teach us and you grow us. Lord, thank you for giving us warnings. Showing us things to avoid. But Lord, even more so, thank you for the hope. Thank you for the gift of faith. Thank you for love that can be received and shared. Thank you for your grace. 
which can be received and extended. We ask that these things become reality in our lives personally and in all of our relationship. And just even in this community that we call Franklin Covenant Church. We ask these things expecting. We ask these things with gratitude and with a hope for the future that's placed wholly in you. For it's in your name we pray these things. Amen and amen. Don't forget. Amen. And if you would like to speak with anyone or would like some prayer, let's take about ten minutes and we'll have people, we'll be over on this wall to pray with you, to talk with you, to listen to you. Then over here you can continue with refreshments and fellowship. Uh, Let's figure we'll start the family meeting in at mm, 11.30.